In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Every once in a while, we should stop to think about what it means to be Jesus' family in this place. This is how it often happens. A gentle Jesus attracts us and draws us near. But sooner rather than later, Jesus pinches us. And then we are forced to choose. It is what has happened in the Gospel of St. Mark so far. It's easy to love Jesus at his baptism when all is well and good. The Holy Spirit descends upon him, the Father names him as a son, and together they set him on his way to be your servant at the cross. He goes about his business rather comfortably and quietly as he begins in the synagogue, reading the scriptures and preaching, and resting in the mountains saying his prayers. Jesus seems harmless enough as St. Mark's Gospel begins. But by the time we get to the Gospel appointed for this day, to Mark chapter 3, there is trouble. Jesus has been breaking the rules, offending the wrong people, and generally going his own way as he cures those who ought not to be cured and touches those who ought not to be touched and stays with those considered outcast, the lepers and the lame and the sinners. In the gospel for today, Jesus Christ comes home and the crowds follow. They crush him with their requests. It's so busy that they cannot even eat. Instead of making nice at this homecoming, Jesus carries on in a way that embarrasses his family and drives his teachers crazy. Jesus pinches them. The family comes and said, he's lost his mind. The Pharisees come from Jerusalem and say, he is demon-possessed. He is evil. And now both family and teachers are forced to choose. And Jesus himself says, there is no middle ground. You are on one side or you are on the other. A house divided against itself cannot stand. That is not just a story for them. It is also a story for us. In the second half of the church here, we find ourselves challenged. Early we were drawn by the gentle Jesus of Christmas in the manger for us. Everybody loves a baby. We were refreshed at Easter. Against our old foe death, Jesus comes, conquers, and rises. And we are consoled, knowing that all is well. But now Jesus pinches us too. Jesus in this season of Pentecost, is all about making us disciples. He is, of course, about his Father's business, being generous, doing acts of mercy, and speaking words of witness. But Jesus draws us along behind him. We heard St. Paul speak of that last week when he said to all of you and to me, we are slaves, not just slaves of Christ, which we could perhaps find tolerable, but also slaves to each other and even slaves to those outside this building whom we do not know and who do not know Christ. 
And then Jesus himself begins to talk about the narrow way and the hardscrabble life that we are up against as his disciples, even as he carries on with liturgy and scripture and Bible study and prayer. And then you too and I are forced to choose. And you and I are meant to realize that there is no middle ground. We are for him or we are against him. Divided against ourselves we fall. And here is the kicker. You follow along far enough and you become the one who pinches family and friends and teacher and world. It is extraordinarily important for all of us to realize what is happening to us as we are made the family of Jesus Christ. It is important for all of us to see that the moment that we get serious about all of this, it is not only we who are pinched, trimmed, pruned, but we become those who pinch, trim, prune others. And regularly they do not like it. The moment you start coming to church and to Bible study, the moment you say your prayers daily, the moment you are extraordinarily generous, not only with money, but with mercy and with witness, you make a stand for who you are and often become an implicit criticism to those around you. The Christian life is always a challenge. Therefore, I am surprised each and every week when you come back. It was Martin Franzman who said that a pastors ought not to despair even in small congregations because if even one person came through the door, it is a miracle. And I am well aware that every week it is not too late for you to slam on the brakes. We are reminded at the gospel point when the liturgy quotes John 6, that Jesus regularly lost more disciples than he gained. John's gospel started like Mark's gospel. Everybody loves Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek, mild. Jesus is for me. But by the sixth chapter of St. John's gospel, they were in rebellion there too. Jesus, who was so free with his healing and his giving, with his generosity and his kindness, suddenly proclaimed that he was the bread come down from heaven and that if you did not eat his body and drink his blood, you had no place in him and would be lost forever. When he spoke that way, people plugged their ears and ran the other way. He lost so many that he even turned to the disciples and asked them if they would be going too. And you remember then Peter's brilliant response. There's no place else to go, said Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You are the only one with words of eternal life. I wonder in the Christian life if you might even come to the point where you might begin to welcome the things that pinch that you might see that every pinch presents a choice. Deep down, 
If you are here again this morning, however much it may pinch you, it is because you know your need for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And deep down, you realize there is nowhere else to go. That is the reason you come to church. That is the reason you say your prayers. It is the reason that you will appear at the altar to receive this sacrament. It is why you put your children in Sunday school, why you put your children in our day school, why you yourself have devotions with your family. Deep down, you know there is nowhere else to go. We live in a world where things float free. In response to that, the Holy Spirit comes and points us to Jesus Christ, who is utterly objective in his goodness. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus Christ, Christ taking flesh, Christ on the cross, Christ as sacrifice, Christ as forgiveness. In our day and age, people regularly find this embarrassing. To say that, you must have lost your mind. Or even demonic. To be that particular, to say that Jesus Christ is the only way, is certainly the sign of a man gone evil. But the Holy Spirit speaks another way. And to refuse his gift is an eternal sin. The Holy Spirit will not force you to be saved. The gospel never works by force. And so if we try to get control of the Spirit or of Jesus himself, if we insist that somehow we are smarter, wiser, better, purer than Christ himself, he cannot help us. If we refuse his gift, his Spirit, then we are on our own, and the penalty is to remain the way we are, not only now, but forever. Here is the good part, the gospel part, and why you are here. Jesus actually is crazy. There is nothing in life like a God who is so crazy that he would come down from heaven take flesh and blood, suffer all the things that pinch you and me, and then die for us. There is nothing so crazy as a God who would chase us, sometimes through sacrament, sometimes through word, sometimes through the kindness of friends, sometimes through kindness of strangers. There is nothing so crazy as a God who comes to us and cares for us. There is nothing so crazy as a God who will not give in to us, who will not be remade in our image, who won't allow us to leash or collar him, who will not sit down and stand up when we tell him, who will not come out and go home quietly. There is nothing like a God who in the end will draw near to us, do good to us, and keep us safe. And someday, on the last day, draw us near and close and say, 
Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Good gospel, that, and for all of us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.